Gospel is from John 9, 1 through 11, 14, 35 through 38. You can find it on 1664 in your pew Bible. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming, and when no, when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found them, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In his presence. In his presence. Well, we've seen new people today um, carrying out leadership roles. I want to just thank all of you who say yes uh, to the request to utilize your particular gifts and skills. Join me in a word of prayer. Loving Lord, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart bless you this day. You and you alone are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You have heard in your hearing two familiar stories. Well, let me not take that for granted. Let me ask the question. How many of you have ever heard of the story that is captured in 1 Samuel? Have you heard that story before? Okay, we're, we're good. Okay, okay, hands down. How many of you uh, heard the story um, that was read from the gospel lesson? Oh, okay, that, that's good. That's good. Okay, okay. 
Okay. So most of us have heard these two stories before. And the first story, of course, is that of Samuel anointing a new king because the current king, Saul, had been disobedient to God. If you were to go back and read, beginning with chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, you will see how, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel, you will see how King Saul took into his own hands um, responsibilities that were not assigned to him. And then if you were to continue to read uh, to chapter 15, you will see once again, Saul did not obey God fully, and so God decided that this Saul, who was to obey God entirely and thoroughly, uh, this Saul who had um, offered burnt offerings, uh, the role of a priest, uh, this Saul who had not um, destroyed all of the Amalekites, but just part of them, this Saul, who was disobedient to God, God decided he could no longer trust Saul to be the king of Israel. And so God tells Samuel in 1 Samuel uh, chapter uh, 16, uh, it's time for us, it's time for you, Samuel, to anoint a new king. So that's a, that's a, a bird's eye view of 1 Samuel, right? And then we, we go to the gospel lesson, the gospel where there is a man who has been born blind, and just like modern-day people, the disciples want to know whose fault was it? Who messed up, right? But Jesus reveals something new. Jesus says it has nothing to do with the individual committing a sin or the parents committing a sin. There are some things that happen in life so that God will be glorified, so that the presence of God will be seen. I love these two scripture lessons because as I look at them, I just see how they connect with one another. Let me just share this with you. So when we look at at Samuel in 1 Samuel, we see someone who has been a faithful servant of the Lord from the time he was born. You remember his mother, Hannah, who begged for a child, cried out. The prophet Eli prayed and said, because of your cries, the Lord has heard you. And yes, barren woman, you will have a child. And we know that Samuel was born, the miracle child. And we know that once Samuel was weaned, Samuel's mother gave Samuel back to the Lord, meaning that she returned Samuel to the Lord Literally, Samuel grew up in the temple under the auspices and mentoring of the prophet Eli. Samuel walked with the Lord, heard the Lord, spoke on behalf of the Lord. Samuel knew the Lord and knew his voice. And so, and so in chapter 16, the Lord just says to Samuel, stop grieving for Saul, and I have a job for you to do. It's now time for you to anoint the next king. And, and we see Samuel, who has walked with the Lord, heard the Lord's voice, ask this question in essence. And can I paraphrase for a moment? He said, excuse me, you want me to do what? You do know that there is still a living king on the throne, and if he finds out that you have called me to go to and to anoint a new king, you do know I'm going to die, right? 
You do know he's going to kill me, right? Let me ask you this question. Have you ever asked God some how questions? How could you ask me to do that? How could you ask me to sacrifice? Don't you know what will happen? Have you ever asked God a how question? We ask these questions of God as though God does not already know the answer. We ask God these questions as though God has no knowledge of what's going to happen. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. When you read the text, Samuel asked the questions. But then Samuel was obedient. Make a note. He had questions, but he was obedient. Now, the second thing that we see is that Samuel travels to the place where he is to go to anoint the king. Look at your text. He knows that the king will come from the house of Jesse. And so, and so Samuel invites Jesse to bring all of his sons before him. You read the text. You heard the text. And when they arrive, Samuel says, oh, yeah, I know who the next king is going to be. He's thinking it. He didn't say it aloud. I know that it's going to be Eliab. I can tell he's tall. He has to look. Surely, Samuel says, the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. And you know what happened. God said, "Mm, no. He's not the one. He's not the one. Because you see, check this out, Evangel Heights, because even we do this today. God says, Samuel, see, humankind will focus on the outside. But I look at the heart, which means the inner character of an individual. I look at the, the, the emotions, the, the intelligence, the, the discernment, the wisdom, the commitment, the character. Don't be confused by how good folk look. Look at their character. Don't be confused by how charismatic folk might be. Pay attention to their character. So what we discover is that Samuel thought he understood and knew the heart and mind of God from previous encounters that he had had. Yet what he discovered was that he did not fully understand, fully know the heart of God. When I look at the gospel lesson, the the healing of the blind man, we see the religious leaders, the Pharisees, in particular, people who read and study the law, they will tell you they they follow the law of Moses. It's in the text. They are so adamant, these Pharisees, regarding their belief system of who God is and what God will do. They are positive beyond a shadow of a doubt that they know the parameters within which God will work and not work. They're so sure, and yet they miss the work that the Lord is doing in their midst, which was to reveal The Messiah, oh, Evangel Heights Church family and friends, I am thankful for the ways in which the Lord is growing all of us up 
to becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm thankful for the ways in which we are committing ourselves to growing as disciples of Jesus Christ. May we not become so comfortable with our relationship with the Lord or our understanding of how the Lord will or will not work or act that we lose sight of what the Lord is doing in our midst, the new thing God is doing in our midst. If I had a moment, I would just take a page out of my personal book. You know, you know, I've, I've walked with the Lord for, for, for some time. And I remember very clearly because <laughs> I just remember finding myself in a place. My mother, my late mother had become ill she had sought, we saw medical attention for her. And then it was decided that she needed to be transferred to a long-term facility. That's what they called them back in the 90s. And I remember to this day, after she had been transferred to her bed, I walked into the bathroom of that facility, and I just said, you know, I don't like this. Talking to the Lord. You, you, you know, I don't like this. Why? Because, why didn't I like it? Because it did not fit my understanding of who God was and what God would do in an emergency, and especially after I had prayed. Have you ever been there? You don't have to raise your hands. May we. Oh, and let me just tell you the rest of the story. For two years, I showed up every Sunday. I carried out my responsibilities every week as a lay woman, a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Well, no, because for two years, I literally had walked away from the Lord because the Lord had not done what I thought the Lord should have done. The Lord did not respond the way I thought. I thought the Lord should have responded. The Lord and the Lord's grace and mercy revealed to me years later, I, I know you walked away, daughter. I know. But I was still there so that when you decided to come back, I was there. Don't become so comfortable with your relationship with the Lord, pastor, and people that you think you can figure God out. Samuel learned that God chooses individuals not based on human qualities or expectations, but on what God sees and also based on God's purposes. Although the Pharisees, were not open. Look at that text again. They were not open to the new thing. They were stuck. They were blind. The Pharisees and Samuel thought they knew how God was going to act and respond. And yet there is a difference between the two, between Samuel and between the Pharisees. And here's the difference. Samuel was open to what God was doing and revealing in God's presence. He was obedient. But the Pharisees were not open. As I've said, they were stuck, they were blind. Evan Evangel Heights Church family and friends 
How open are we to what God is doing, to what God will do, to what God is revealing, to what God will reveal in our midst? How open will we be to the new thing that God will reveal to us to help us to be the followers of Jesus Christ individually and to be the church of Jesus Christ corporately? Committed to making disciples of Jesus Christ in the world. How open are we to being obedient to God when God reveals a new thing to us that is totally outside of our understanding of who God is? Are you open to what God wants to reveal to you individually, to me, pastor? Am I open? How open are we as a community of faith? That that is something new and totally different to us. I have to repeat it. How open are we to that that God reveals that is totally outside of our comfort zone? That new thing that God is asking us to do. In, In several weeks... A new class will be offered. It's called Ultimate Reliance. You saw the announcement this day. This class will help you and me to deepen our prayer life so that we'll be able to be even more open to what God wants to do in us, with us, and through us individually and as a congregation. And you'll see more information in the beacon In a few weeks, you'll have an opportunity to learn how to write a brief testimony so that whenever you find yourself in that place where God leads you, you'll be able to share when the opportunity comes your faith story, your testimony. There will be a schedule in the beacon It is no longer church as usual. The church of Jesus Christ is called to usher in, to advance, to move forward God's kingdom. And that is what we are committed to do under my pastorate. There's one other lesson that we can glean from both the Hebrew scriptures and the gospel lesson. I told you earlier that it was a spoiler. I I shared with you the spoiler alert. When you look at those two uh, scripture lessons, you will see it is easy to be excluded. (laughs) Did you notice? Jesse is told, uh, bring your sons. And he says, okay, I will. And he, he brought his sons, right? except for one. David was overlooked by his father. Samuel had to ask Jesse, do you have any more sons? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Notice, notice in the gospel lesson, the blind man, once he received his sight because of the closed-minded Pharisees 
they put him out of the synagogue. He was no longer included. He was now excluded from that worshiping community. I have to ask the question. I, I just have to ask the question. Who's being excluded today? You're going to learn more about a book that's called Growing Young. Sometimes when people over 30 hear that particular title, they think, okay, that means you're excluding us, right? Not at all. Excluding us, those who are over 30. No. Growing Young reminds us, and we'll say more about this at another time, that we have a population of people called young adults and youth. The focus for me today is on young adults who are looking for relationships with people, not just people their own age, they're looking for people who are older than they are, who can walk alongside them, see them, and then help them to navigate life as followers of Jesus Christ. There's a difference between multi-generational congregations and intergenerational congregations. And so let me share with you the distinction. You may have figured it out. See, I know that Evangel Heights United Methodist Church is a church that is a multi-generational church. We have multiple generations, right? Just look around. But, an, but our desire, I believe, I, I believe this, or maybe it's aspirational, but I do believe we want to be an intergenerational congregation whereby all generations interact with one another. I just remember during a staff meeting that um, staff member Katie um, Monroe shared with uh, Sarah and myself how she so appreciated the older adults in this congregation, who not only saw her, but interacted with her, related to her, she just talked about how beneficial it was for the quote-unquote, my language, grandmothers and grandfathers taking the time to interact with her. I, I, I want us to be an intergenerational congregation whereby no matter your age, you know that others need to know you, and you need to know more about them. Wow, wow, what can I say? I love these, these two texts because they challenge us. The wedding of these two texts reminds us that God is constantly doing a new thing. The question that was raised in Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 20, I would suggest are questions that are being asked of us today. Please listen, beginning again with verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. 
See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. I will do whatever I need to make sure that your needs are met. Can you see the new thing that I'm doing? That's the question for us. Are we able to see what God is doing new in our midst? Are we preparing ourselves so that we will be able to see the new thing? that God will be doing in our midst. I will tell you, Evangel Heights Church family and friends, on this day, March 19th, 2023, if we are committed to being open, to what God wants to do in us, with us, through us, individually and collectively, corporately, as the body of Christ, I will tell you, on March 19th, 2024, we will be able to testify. Amen. I saw it, the new thing. I made myself available to be experienced, to experience, and then to be used to witness to others the new thing that I saw God doing individually and corporately. Thanks be to God. Just as the new thing that God accomplished in 1 Samuel, the anointing of David by the priest and prophet Samuel, and in the gospel lesson, the revealing of the Messiah by the blind man, we too are called to have the eyes to see the new thing that God is doing in our midst and will do in our midst. Yes, the Lord will use us. He will. The Lord will use us individually and corporately as a congregation. And I don't know about you, But I've learned on this journey where I've made a lot of mistakes when it comes to my relationship with the Lord God. I want to be used. No barriers put in place. No parameters set up. I want to be used. So loving God, we come in the precious name of Jesus the Christ, giving you thanks for reminding us through your word that we are called to see you, to experience you, not as we saw you and experienced you 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but you're calling us to see you anew, and to be open to the new thing that you want to do in, with, and through us individually and as the body of Jesus Christ. Give us the courage. Give us the desire to say yes. Amen. As we prepare-